We'll get through most of that. We'll take communion together as well. And uh, we'll celebrate what God has done and what he's doing. We also have time to celebrate those birthday babes at Fellowship Hour. Say hi to one of them, hug them, high five. Say, I'm glad you were born. That's a good response, right? I'm glad you were born. Let me pray. Father, help us and help me. Give us the grace to see anxiousness or anxiety for what it is, for what it might not be, and let us see the practical wisdom that Jesus spoke so many years ago. Help me now in Jesus' name. Amen. This thing we've been in for three and a half, four months now, the Sermon on the Mount, it was a sermon. It was a very good sermon. As I told you, Jesus probably preached it five, ten times. But this is the one we have in Matthew. This was his stump speech. Jesus Christ is in Madison, Wisconsin. Tuesday. You guys know what I'm getting at, right? What would he say? Something like we've been learning. He got a big following. And then when he started teaching other things, what happened to some of his followers? They disappeared. Because he said things like Rush just read, right? Who, what is the, who is that? He's our hero. He's our national leader. He's the one that's going to deliver us from the Roman Empire. Remember, that's the thought of the day. Messiah's come. What were people waiting for? Someone on a war horse. You ever, how many of you guys travel, especially in Europe? Go to the square. Just Google it. Town square, fountain. What is usually the statue? Usually. A dude on a big horse. What does that communicate? A dude, never a woman. Sorry, ladies. We're catching up here. A dude killed a lot of people and said, now this is mine. And the statue is usually there. I know we, I know we dress it up. And I know we make it palatable. Just go read your history. We've had a bloody history as human beings. Amen. And it's usually conquering and conquering. There's been other... People who have sought peace and tried to walk and bring peace, at some point they're usually conquered. I know we don't like to say that as peacemakers, right? Jesus, in a sense, was conquered on the cross, but then he conquered death when he was resurrected. That's a whole other sermon. But it's usually a dude on a horse, and usually he has a sword like this. The people, Jesus' people, the people listening were thinking, When is the dude going to get on a horse? And when is the Roman emperor going to go, what, away? The dude, Jesus, how did he show up at Jerusalem six days before he died? On a donkey with his feet dragging, literally saying without speaking, God is done with violence. I'm here to usher in peace. And I will usher in peace by going on a cross and conquering death once and for all so that when I'm resurrected from the dead and sin has been paid for, I can now say to the people, even those who put me on the cross, I can say, peace be with you. And I can go to Peter, who doubted me and put his foot in his mouth and betrayed me three times. It's okay, brother. I forgive you, now go and do what? Likewise. So the Sermon on the Mount is this building of this new kingdom, 
This is his stump speech in an election time. This is what Jesus would have said, not to get off subject, but when he popped on the scene in the book of John, Jesus fed a lot of people. And what happens when you give free food and it's good? What happens? Everybody follows you. How many of you guys like sourdough bread? How many of you guys like fresh, hot sourdough bread with a little bit of butter on top? A lot of butter. Okay, now, now we're in church. We're speaking the truth, right? Jesus was offering things, and he had a large gathering, and then he started teaching about his kingdom, God's kingdom, which is solely based on God's forgiveness, and then Jesus says, as I've forgiven you, go and do what? Likewise, and then the bread didn't taste as good, and people started to withdraw. So we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus obviously is talking about anxiety and being anxious. The anxiety Jesus was mentioning is not the same as the anxiety we face. That's the first thing I'll say. I'll try and explain that. But there is a lot of the same things we go through. So that's kind of my intro. Russ read the scriptures. There's a lot there. As Jesus has been teaching us, he's been building on this sermon, and he comes to the point to talk about life and angst and worry and no sleep, and maybe losing weight or gaining weight depending on your season of life, depending on what you're going through. And Jesus, you could preach this sermon, he was pretty point blank, right? You guys heard it, what did he say? You see the birds? They don't go hungry. And then he makes kind of a controversial statement maybe nowadays. He says, you humans are worth more than birds. And he says, God will take care of you the way he takes care of the birds. And then he goes, look in the field. He says, go to Tuolumne Meadows in spring. That's what he literally says. Anybody been to Tuolumne Meadows in spring? Go. Go in April or May this year. Take the day off work. Say the pastor told me to. I'll, I'll take the email. Drive up there and look at the meadows blooming. It will bring tears to your eyes. And Jesus goes, look at the lilies and the flowers and the grass and everything. It doesn't do anything, yet God takes care of it. But it's gone in a season. What happens when the drought comes to Twalley Meadows? What happens when July and August come and fall? And Jesus says, you will be taken better care of than that. And we bring up this topic of anxiety, anxiousness. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I try and look at what the scriptures say. I try and go back to the historical context. I try to do no harm when I stand before you, and I try and teach you the truth. That's my motivation. If there are things I'm not sure about, I won't say them usually, or I'll say, this is my opinion, write it in pencil. So trying to get at what Jesus was saying about anxiety, it's not the same thing we think of when we hear about anxiety in Western American culture. But there are some correlations. Anybody know what the most well-protected country, per se, in human history is? I would argue us. We're close. Anybody know one of the most educated societies in human history? I would argue Western us somewhere. I know we can argue about it and debate with this and that, but it's available. The information's there is what I'm getting at. I know we could argue this with Pharaoh and some of the empires of the East. Anybody think of the most wealthy society the world's ever known? It's 
probably us somewhere in there, right? We're there? But per capita, and this is where I'm going to make a different, a little delineation, we are the most anxious society that's ever walked the face of the earth. As studies, lots of studies. Just angst. So what I'm getting at is there doesn't appear to be a correlation with anxiety, per se, in safety, because we're safe for the most part. I know the internet, I get it. I'll get there when I end. I'm going to try and tell you what the internet really wants from you, and it has, most of you are sitting on it. It's your wallet. So wealth can bring anxiety or lack of wealth, but America is overall pretty well off, but we're still kind of an anxious people. It must be education, right? We're not very educated. Well, we're pretty educated. I know the stats and the, I know the other countries, but the information's there, so that's available to us. So what's going on? There are medical conditions dealing with anxiety. I'm not talking about that. There are clinical conditions that people are diagnosed with. Jesus is not a witch doctor, nor am I. He doesn't have a magic pill. He's dealing with life. And life that times brings angst. What were his hearers going through? Most of them were God's chosen people. That's weird. Because already, if I'm God's chosen people, I think if you're not with me, you're not God's chosen people. That was kind of a, a hardship in the Old Testament. Most of them were normal people. Most of them would work at a normal job. Maybe in the shops, have a trade, in the fields. And most of them were face-to-face -face with an oppressive culture which opposed their religious beliefs and for the most part opposed their political beliefs. And life was happening and Jesus shows up in the middle of the sermon, and he says something like this. Do not be anxious about your life, Matthew 6, 25. What you will eat and drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food, body more than clothing. And if you're smart and perceptive, you already know what Jesus is getting at. In their day and in our day, things have not changed. And again, I'm not talking about clinical depression or anxiety or anxiety issues per se, debilitating that we need to seek medical counsel for. I'm talking about life. Look closely. Look at the words of Jesus. He unpacks it right there. What is therefore, he's talking about the passage before, and what did we talk about for the last couple weeks, specifically last week? Jesus specifically says in the passage before, you are not about acquiring, you are not about just getting stuff. Because apparently that was alive and well 2,000 years ago too. It's part of our heart, we like to get stuff. Jesus says, don't place your hope in the stuff, it's going to go away eventually. Place your hope and your treasure in God. He's eternal and he has a plan. So Jesus, upon that kind of premise and thesis and statement, he says, therefore, because of that being true, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Jesus is getting at, 
If you are simply a consumer, me, American, Dave, if you're simply a gainer, 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 don't touch John, it's mine. Debbie, stay away. You didn't pay for it. Mom, you raised me, but sorry, I, I paid for this one. And she looks at me like, I'm going to whoop you. <laughs> if this is our life, you will be anxious about everything, Jesus says. Jesus does a little Christian truth jujitsu. He tells us the issue by teaching us the truth. It's huge. If all you care is about Pokemon and Pokemon Go and getting all the whatever and then living for that, you will be disappointed in 18 months when you achieve what you get and it's just Pokemon Go. If all you care about is an iPhone, you will be disappointed every, they're smart, 11 months, because a new one's coming out, right? And it's going to be a little bit better than your one. I know all you Android people are like, ha ha, no, hold on, I got something for you too. <laughs> but Jesus brilliantly says to people 2,000 years ago and to us, you'll be anxious if you base your life on this, there's no cure. You and I will be like um, a human black hole. <laughs> we will just be taking and taking and taking, and at the end of the day with our taking, we'll be left, oh. It kind of reminds me of Rockefeller's famous quote, how much is enough, and what did he supposedly say? Just a wee bit more. So that's the motivation behind Jesus' teaching. And I hope we see this as freedom. Because this is our human condition. And it's heightened here in America. I hope you know that. It's heightened here. There are many brilliant people, far smarter than me, probably not you, who make a lot of money off anxious living. And this is love 2,000 years ago from God saying, don't waste your life on that stuff. What did I say last week? I'm not anti-things. God is not opposed to us having things. He's opposed to things having us. Right? God blesses. You work hard. You gain. You can even ac accumulate. And the most glorious thing I see is when you people who do that not knowing your right from your left a month ago, are generous and serve the Lord. And you do that. Keep going, church. We're going to go more, right? And there's a freedom and a joy when we do that. But as your pastor, a pastor, I'll say it that way. That was pretty pretentious. Sorry. I want to give you a little bit of wisdom here of what I've seen. And I'm not very smart. I just... I look at everything, even though I don't look like it. I was a paramedic for 10 years, if you don't know, so my job was to look at everything and not let them know the patient. I was looking at everything. You're a detective, basically. I like those detective shows. I should have been a detective. You guys are probably like, yes, you should have. Well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but I like to observe and just look. And this is what I see as a 41-year-old man with a 13-year-old, a 9-year-old, and soon a 3-year-old daughter. And women, you're the target. Not because you're weaker, but you're the target. Okay? Anxious living, 
living for food and body and body image and clothing and things that we can get is huge business, folks. Billions and billions of dollars are spent in the last, yeah, billions, 20 years to research and to understand, I'm going to put her on the spot, mostly people like Kayla and Mia and Josh, where'd he go, and others in that demographic. And there is a script that is written globally. Not, this isn't anti-American or anti-capitalism. Hear me. It's not. It's the way we live to figure out what they think, what they want to listen to, how they dress, and everything, so that a machine, it is a machine, can roll out and go, I got them. If you want to talk more, there's a couple documentaries I'll email you. You'll probably cry. Hidden camera stuff. And it's like, whoa. So the point is, the way of the world, and what I mean by the world is the world systems, we learned, Jesus taught us, the world system is based on power. It's lust. The acclimation, or I should say, the acquiring of power, the acquiring of sex, the acquiring of money and greed and all that. Just read the newspapers. You guys know I'm right. And what we put forth is, let's script a reality in a sense and a life so that we can shape certain people at certain times to get them to buy into the lie, your life is about food, your body, what your body looks like, and about stuff. I'm not going to hate on it because a lot of that can be redeemed. And a lot of that can help lots of people. And a lot of that can be used for the glory of God. And God is still over that, but he wants us to think. If I could take some of you wiser folk in the room, maybe past your 80th birthday in the room, and I could sit with you candidly, and you wouldn't just talk about the good old days, but you could tell me how the culture was back then. It was different. That's what we'll say, right? And I've talked to some of you. And Jesus says, this has always been the craving of human, the human heart in some ways. Don't buy into it. Here's the lie, quickly before we take communion, I'll wrap it up. You will not feel loved or you will not feel accepted, this is the lie of the world, unless you look like this or buy this. That's the lie, look between the lines. Look at the ad campaigns. She will go to bed with you if you wear these sunglasses. No, she won't, your pastor said it. She won't. She won't. Nor should she. You will feel cherished and accepted and loved if you fit in these jeans. Maybe for 20 minutes. I don't know, ladies. I'm not you, so I don't know. I don't fit in those jeans, right? But the motive behind this is not out and out evil. So hear me. I'm not going to go there. But it is in some ways what the Bible called the root of all evil. It's the pure love of money. Be smart, church. You're smart folks. Pastor's never going to tell you what to wear, what to eat, how much to work out, but I'm going to try and explain what Jesus said. And there's freedom from this living. And what is this freedom? 
The freedom is knowing and understanding what we've learned for two months that your Heavenly Father who loves you, God is for you in Christ. If you're like, I'm not sure about Jesus, what's this gospel thing? Come talk to me after communion. That's why I'm here. I want to offer the grace and mercy offered in the cross to all people the way Jesus did. It's receiving by faith forgiveness. And in that, God is for us. For who could be against us? Romans, amen? But the point is, in that reality, Jesus has taught three separate times, don't live as a practical atheist. Don't go to church and then walk out the doors and act if God does not exist. He talked about that with giving, right? He says, don't sound a trumpet when you give your offering. Simply put it in and hope nobody's looking. God sees and God will reward. He talked about that during prayer. Don't use a lot of words or don't shout. I'm shouting right now. That's funny. Simply pray this way, and God who sees in secret will reward you in secret. What is part of the reward? We got to it. Non-anxious living. I'm free because I know my Father is in heaven. By faith I've received his forgiveness, and I know he's real. I can't always explain everything. Don't fall into that trap too. If you're a child of God, you don't have to explain everything. That's why I'm here. I don't have to explain everything either. I just get a few more resources at times, right? We get to go talk to people and sit with people and reason with people and love people. And then Jesus taught us about fasting. He said, Dave, brush your teeth when you fast. Ladies, do the normal thing in the morning when you fast. Don't draw attention to yourself because your Father who is in secret will what? See you in secret and reward you. The same thing is in the same line of thinking. Don't be concerned so much about what we're going to, really provision in a lot of ways. God who is in secret sees and knows. Remember what he said a few, chap- a few verses before? Let me try and find it. Here we go. Matthew 6, 7, 8, and 9. We'll try and close with this, Timmy. Talking about prayer, but it's the whole theme here. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Those would be the non-Christians or non-Jewish people back then. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Verse 8, do not be like them. Why shouldn't we be like them? Because they smell? No, not because they smell. Don't be like them because the pastor just told you. God knows what you need and what I need before I even what? Ask. Some of the anxiousness of life can go like, everyone take a big deep breath. Oh. Jesus is... Also combating superstitious prayer. We have any, we have any superstitious prayers in here? Good, don't raise your hand. That's not the time. Well, if I don't pray for Holland, my daughter, but I pray for my other two, maybe Holland will get in a car accident and something bad will happen. No. No. Well, if I don't pray that we can pay off that bill, maybe we can't. There's some wisdom in planning, but no. God's blessings are not given based on what we say or don't say. God's blessings are given on his good character and nature, and he loves, and he blesses, and he's faithful. That's this whole theme, right? Next week, we're going to try and back that little section, ask, seek, knock, because that's important. But Jesus is getting at this angst of life that we all face. He's getting at what caused it. I hope you saw it. 
He's taught it for two weeks. If we are people who are only concerned about food, provision per se, or food, body and body image, I would say it's in there, and stuff, clothing and other things, you will live an anxious life guaranteed. But if we see the gospel in its entirety, death, life, resurrection, and now obedience, don't leave Jesus on the cross and don't just leave him at the tomb. Walk with him, right? What did he say? Now walk with me. I'm risen. Walk with me. And if we walk with him in obedience, he by grace will take some of that angst away from us as he reshapes our heart. This is not one sermon, one communion. Woohoo! This is probably a lifelong battle to trust him. And if you struggle with this, if you struggle with the things I've mentioned, walk with Christ and go to your heavenly father and begin there. And if you're still struggling, come talk to people who have been trained in love and can help with some of this. You know what some of the best examples in my life are? Mentors and both men and women. People who have struggled with the same things I have, who might still, but have made a little bit of progress in it. Amen? Just a little bit. Hey, hang in there. I'm just a little bit ahead of you, but let me help you. And that's why we're here. The music team is going to come up. We're going to take the Lord's Supper or Communion. Um, Our ushers will come forward. They're going to play one song. I'm going to do my best to, we'll take the bread during the little lull there and we'll finish out. After that, we do have a time of fellowship. Please come say hi. There are four birthday people. Find them in fellowship. They're all freaking out right now. Give them a hug. Let me pray. And as I pray, if the music team wants to come forward and we'll close with communion. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this almost... I don't even know if I want to pray it this way, this duh sermon, the things that Jesus laid out. Father, give us the grace and the wisdom to take an inventory of our hearts and lives and minds to see where we might be pulled by the systems and the plans and the schemes, not only of the world, but of uh, just our own hearts. And give us the grace to see what Jesus offers as we obey him. Father, free us from the desire to live for body and food and um, clothing and give us the grace to walk freely and try and love you and love others this week. Thank you for this table, this opportunity to worship, and thank you for this family before me. In Jesus' name, amen.